Shalom Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family, and we're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, oh, the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be red hot for the Messiah. You know, I don't know what's going on, but it seems like there are more people getting dread diseases today, cancer, heart trouble, diabetes, uh, than I ever remember. I, I don't know if it's the food we're eating or what's going on, but there is really an epidemic of diseases. And I have a friend, I interviewed him many years ago, Thurman Scrivener. And uh, he tells me that he has gotten hold of the biblical truth of healing, and he has not been sick in 35 years, and he can teach anyone, anywhere, that'll do what he he says, and all he does is teach from the Bible, uh, to do the same thing. Thurman, I want to whet their appetite. Tell me about Ed Brock, who had stage 4 lymphoma. Well, that was one of my first cases years ago when the Lord was training me. In fact, the way that happened, uh, I was I was beginning to learn to hear God's voice. And be, coming out of a Baptist church, you know, uh, we didn't see any healings. We weren't taught about healing. But Ed Brock, uh, one Wednesday night, I came home from an out-of-town trip. I was an engineer. I traveled and and designed buildings for a living. And uh, I came home from an out-of-town trip, and my wife told me, she said, Honey, Ed Brock is in the hospital, and I don't think he has uh, uh, got a very good report. So she said, You need to go see him. So I did. I went up to see him that night, and when I found his room and knocked on the door, his lovely little wife, Ruthie, uh, I guess had been married 20 or 25 years, came to the door, and I said, Ruthie, I said, How's Ed? And she said, Well, Thurman, he's not any good. They just opened him up and looked inside of him, and he has stage 4 lymphoma, terminal cancer in every organ of his body. They only give him a few weeks at best to live. Well, this man was just 42 years old. He was a young man. And so anyway, when she told me that, uh, I heard the Lord speak to me audibly. I mean, I, I, I thought it was so audible she should have heard it, but she didn't hear it. But I heard the Lord say, Son, tell Ed to call the men of the church to pray over him, and I will heal him. Well, when I heard that, I thought, wow, I'd never seen any healings. That was my very first experience with divine healing on such a terrible disease. So anyway, as I prayed with her and I left, I'm walking down the corridor of the hospital, and I look up and I say, Lord, you didn't hear what she said. And I said, she said he has terminal cancer, and there's nothing can be done. Well, at that point, I didn't know who God really was. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like the average Christian, I guess. I had no knowledge of who God really was. So I went home that night. On the way home, I said, you know, I do know, Lord, you said in your word to test every spirit. So maybe that wasn't you talking to me. So I went home, and I began to read and research for the first time in my life in my Bible about healing. And a few hours later, I came upon this wonderful promise in James 5, 14, 15, and 16 that tells us that we can call the elders of the church and they can anoint us with oil and a prayer of faith will save the sick. And I, I read that, and I thought, Lord, 
that's absolutely awesome. I said, that's almost what I heard you say uh, right there. And then I heard the voice of the enemy for the first time in my life. The enemy said, oh, that wasn't God speaking to you. That was just in your subconscious, and you've just read that before, and it just came up. Well, at this point, I didn't understand what was going on. And so I I went to bed, and in the next few days, from Wednesday till Sunday, I fought a tremendous battle in the spirit world. And as I'm fighting this battle, finally on Sunday morning, I asked my wife, I said, honey, I said, I got to tell you something. I said, last week, last Wednesday night, I heard Ed's voice. I mean, I heard the Lord's voice. And she said, what do you mean? I said, well, God spoke to me. She said, well, what's he saying? I said, well, he told me to tell Ed to call the men of the church to pray over him, and he would heal him. Now, my wife, which had not heard the voice, I had heard the voice, but she says, well, good grief. If if God spoke to you, let's do what he said. You would have thought I would have got that, but I didn't. And so anyway, I told her, okay. I said, they're going to bring Ed home from the hospital today. Uh, And I said, after church this afternoon, we'll go see him. So we went to see him. And when we got there, uh, I walked in. I told him, I said, Ed, I have a word from the Lord for you. And you don't hear that too much in a Baptist church. But anyway, he said, what do you mean you have a word from the Lord? I said, well, I want to, I want to read something to you out of God's word. And I opened the Bible to James five fourteen, and I read those scriptures. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anoint him with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will seal the sick. The Lord will raise him up. And he listened to that, and he said, now look, Thurman. He said, I am 42 years old. I have been in church all of my life, and I've never heard that voice, that, that verse in a Sunday school class or in a church service or nothing. He said, if something that powerful still worked today, you know they would be teaching us this. I said, well, Ed, I'm a Sunday school teacher and a deacon in that church, and I didn't know it was in there until Wednesday night myself. I said, maybe they don't know either. He said, well, I just, I just don't believe it'll work. I said, okay, let me tell you this. The reason I know it's there is because God spoke to me audibly and told me to tell you to do this. He said, you're telling me that God spoke to you? I said, yes, he did. He said, Thurman, I don't believe that. I don't believe God speaks to people no more. I believe he done it back in the uh, New Testament days, but I don't believe he does it now. I said, Ed, he spoke to me. I heard his voice. He said, I don't believe it. I said, okay. So I left, and a few days later, Ed was back in the hospital. They were pumping his lungs out, and I went to see him again. And as I did, I I saw him laying there with a a bag on his side, and they were pumping liquid out of his lungs. And he was literally dying. And I said, Ed, don't die. I said, do what the Lord says, and he will heal you. He said, Thurman, I want God's will to be done, but I don't know what it is. I opened my Bible. I said, Ed, I have his last will and testament laying right here in my hand. And he clearly tells you what to do. And if you do that, then he tells you what he will do. And God can't lie. He said, he he makes you a guarantee. And he said, well, I just don't believe it. Well, I told him, I said, when you go home, you read these verses out loud. Because I said, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So I said, I want you to just take those verses. I want you to read those over and over and over out loud until faith comes. I said, now, when faith comes, I want you to call me, 
and I'll call some of the men, and we'll come anoint you with oil and pray over you, and I'm going to guarantee you from God's Word he's going to heal you. Well, Monday night of the third week, Ed finally called me, and he said, Thurman, I've been reading those scriptures, and that is what God says. He said, I am only 42, and I'm too young to die. I don't want to die yet. So he said, if you will call some more men, and you will meet us at the church, Lakeland Baptist Church at the chapel in an hour at 7 o'clock, he said, I, I will get Ruthie to drive me up there, and we'll pray over my situation. So I called about six or eight men. I told him, I said, y'all know another man that would like to read James 5, 14, 15, and 16? Read it and come expecting our God to do a miracle healing on Ed Brock. Well, when I got up there, I had a little bottle of olive oil. It looked like a little Coke bottle in a bag, plastic, I mean, in a uh, paper bag that I'd got at the grocery store that morning. When I walked in and Ed walked in, he said, what do you got in that bag? I said, a bottle of olive oil. He said, where'd you get it? I said, at the grocery store. He said, have you ever done this before? I said, no. He said, oh, great. I have a man here with a bottle of oil from the grocery store, and I have terminal cancer, and we think I'm going to get healed. Well, you can see one thing. We didn't have no faith, or most of us didn't. I had a little. And so anyway, when I when, they, when the men stopped coming in, there was 28 men that come in to pray for Ed that night. We anointed him with oil. We prayed the prayer of faith for him, and we went home. We didn't see a single thing happen right there. But as we went home, and, and for two or three weeks, I didn't hear from Ed no more. I didn't call him. I was afraid to. But after about three weeks or so, I saw him in church. I said, Ed, I said, how are you doing? He said, Thurman, it's unbelievable. He said, this thing that was all over my body appears to be going away. They told me now that I just went to the doctor this week, and they said that it's good enough now. They believe they could send me down to MD Anderson and do some chemo treatments on me, and I might have a chance to get well. Well, I said, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'm going to go down there and let them give me the treatments. I don't want to die. Now, see, we didn't even understand that God was healing him. But he went down there and had a treatment every month for six months. And then on the way back and forth, he's listening to the tape, New Testament tape, uh, in his car as he drives. And after about six months, they give him a complete, clean bill of health. They told him, said, we don't understand. Everybody else that came down here with you, uh, there was about five or six other people had the same cancer. We give them the same chemo treatment, and every one of them has died but you are completely healed. We don't understand that. But anyway, he goes, gets in his car and starts home and from Houston. And as he does, he pushes the play button. And he said, Thurman, you'll never guess what happened. He said, when I pushed the play button, the James 514 came up and it played. And then it stopped all by itself. And I heard this voice, Ed, it was not MD Anderson that healed you. It was me, the Lord. And Ed stopped and cried a little while, and then he finally got in his car and drove on back home, and he called me and told me this whole thing. That happened in 1986, and from 1986 until now, Ed Brock has never had a reoccurrence of cancer, and he's still alive today. That was my first experience with divine healing with a man with terminal cancer. Now, you were raised in the Baptist Church. You were a Sunday school teacher. Uh, and God spoke to you when you were teaching Sunday school, and he said the last thing a good Baptist Sunday school teacher wants to hear. He said, lay down the Southern Baptist quarterly and teach my word only. Were you willing to do that? Yes. In fact, what he told me that, Sid, 
when the Lord told me that, I said, Lord, <laughs> I said, if I, if I lay down the Southern Baptist information and start teaching what you've been showing me, I said, these people in this Baptist church are going to think I'm crazy. I said, I've never heard these things. But I said, Lord, if you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it because I'm going to obey you. But I said, Lord, I'm going to ask you to confirm what I teach with healings and signs and miracles and wonders to confirm to these people that I'm teaching them the truth and that this is really your word. I mean, in a Baptist church, you're expecting signs and wonders and miracles? I I was. (laughs) Okay. What happened? He did it. In fact, the very first thing, the very first class uh, that I started teaching just the word after the Lord told me to teach his word only, I was showing them these wonderful promises. You know, what do you do with a promise like Matthew eighteen nineteen, where the Lord says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. Well, as I'm teaching these things and telling the people, this is what it means. This is what it says, and this is what it means. There was a young lady in my class, and she said, sir, she said, I've, I've been going to a Baptist church all my life. And she said, I'm about 40 years old, and I have never heard such things, such promises she said, are you trying to tell me that God will really do what he said? I said, yes, ma'am, he will. And she said, well, my mother is going in this Thursday. for a, a, They're going to put a scope down her throat to see how bad uh, her stomach is because she's just eat up with ulcers in her stomach. And said, I believe that if God says two of us agree, I believe you and me can agree in prayer that God will heal my mother. And I said, he will. And so we prayed right there in that Sunday school class for her mother. And, and use Matthew eighteen nineteen that wonderful promise. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father in heaven. We prayed and thanked the Lord for doing it. And the next Sunday, the, the girl was back with her mother. Her mother came, and she said, I had to come and meet you. She said, I went in Thursday for my test, and when they ran that scope down in my stomach, my stomach looked like a brand-new stomach. There was no bleeding ulcers of no kind in my stomach. And so that's the, that's the way God started doing it. Yeah, you know, Thurman, what I'm hearing coming from you is childlike faith. That's it. That's exactly right, Sid. I mean, you're saying, look at this wonderful... Pro- I mean, you've been, you've been doing this for 35 years, and I hear in your voice almost a freshness. Look at this wonderful... An, an awe, an amazement. Look at this wonderful promise. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, uh, you've got to tell me but briefly about the 11-year-old boy with warts. Uh, you were teaching in your class what happened with him. Well, uh, how bad was the warts, by the way? Well, he had literally said, uh, I wish I had some pictures of him, but he he would not let us take pictures of him. He hated himself. He had literally hundreds of warts, hundreds, uh, maybe even thousands. I mean, he had warts on his eyelids, on his eyebrows. C- couldn't a doctor do something with that? Well, they had taken him to a doctor, and they started on his right hand, on the back of his hand, and they burned a rows of warts off the back of his right hand, about two and a half inches long, about a quarter inch wide, in two places on the back of his right hand, left two huge scars, and the warts came right back in the scars. Oh, that sounds awful. And, and, and he looked awful. He with these scars. He had these big old scars on the back of his right. He had warts under his fingernails. They were, he had warts everywhere. I mean, they were just everywhere. And like I say, they took him to the doctor, 
And the doctors burned, I don't know, several, I don't know how many, but two big rows of them off the back of his right hand. And the warts came back, and the scars were still there. So anyway, when I started teaching these principles from God's Word, they were in my Sunday school class. So most people didn't say a whole lot in my class when I was teaching these things. They're just looking at these wonderful things. So anyway, after a few weeks of teaching, I only have a 45-minute to an hour Sunday school class is all we have, so you can't get much teaching done, but a little. Anyway, they, they said one Sunday, said, Thurman, we have never heard the Bible taught like this, but it's, that's what it says. And says, uh, would you come over to our house this afternoon after church? We want to talk to you. I said, okay. So I went over there Sunday after church. And I said, what can I do for you? And what can the Lord do for you? And, and they said, well, we got a son here, Philip uh, Philip Wren was his name. He's 11 years old. And uh, they brought him in, set him in a couch right beside me, and said he has all these warts all over his body, and he hates himself. And I turned over and looked at the young boy, and I said, son, you, I, you have got more warts than anybody i ever seen in my life. I never dreamed that anybody could have this many warts. And he said, Mr. Scrivener, I hate myself. I said, well, and the mother and daddy said, well, we've taken him to doctors. We've had them burned off. We've tried other things, medicine, all kinds of stuff. Nothing works. And he said, well, I hate it. I said, well, son, let me tell you something about God. I said, I've learned that God is a faith God. You have to come to him on behalf of his word. You just can't start saying things, or you can't just pray. You have to find promises in his word and then stand on these promises after you've repented of all sin. I said, and this, since you've had these since you were three and you're now 11, you've had them for eight years. I said, this could very well be a generational curse because of some kind of sin of who somebody in your family or something could have caused this. So I said, we've got to repent of all those sins, and then I've got to build your faith. And so for the next two or three hours, I went over these wonderful promises with this little 11-year-old boy and his sister and his mom and his dad and everything. I invested some time with them in, in God's Word. And then I asked him a question. I said, son, now that we've repented of all sin and I've been through the promises of God and you see the promises of God, I said, do you believe that this Jesus that I'm talking about can take these warts and scars off your body? He said, Mr. Scrivener, after what I've heard you read out of this book today about Jesus, I believe Jesus can do anything. I said, son, that's the kind of faith God's looking for right there. I said, you've repented. Your mom and dad have repented. Now let's just kneel here on the floor. And, and again, we'll use this wonderful promise of Matthew eighteen nineteen. I used that same promise. And we knelt there, and I prayed. And I asked the Lord to remove, according to Matthew eighteen nineteen. I asked him to remove all of Philip's warts and scars. Now, because we're running short on time, Thurman, uh, give me the bottom line of what happened to him. Okay. The very next morning, the scar, as they went and mother checked him, the warts on the end of his fingers were completely gone. And within three weeks, every wart was gone on his body. And within four weeks, every scar was gone. And to this day, Philip does not have a wart or a scar on his body. That's been at least 10, 12 years ago. But I have to ask you this because I notice there's a pattern with you. And that is... You state to him and anyone else after you teach, after they uh, repent, after uh, they say they believe God, and after you pray, you say, I guarantee you on the word of God you'll be healed. Isn't that a tough thing for you to say? 
Well, the Lord told me in his word in James 1, 6, and 7 that when I pray, if I don't believe with no doubt in my heart, he won't do it. And so if I can't guarantee his word, then that means I don't believe it. And if I don't believe it, then I might as well go to the house. He's not going to do anything for me. He will not tolerate any unbelief. If there's any unbelief, he will not show up. Okay, here's what we have done. We call it uh, the Fabulous Five. It's five booklets of the best teaching of Thurman Scrivener, plus four exclusive messages that he did just for our audience of the type of teaching he does when just before he prays for someone and guarantees on the Word of God they'll be healed. I want to get, we call it the Faith Walker's Package. I want to get this into your hands. The faith and the childlike faith that Thurman Scrivener teaches is probably the most radical. But you know what? You'll do radical things if you have cancer with a doctor. You'll put poison in your body to kill the cancer, and then you have to deal with the poison. I want you to be radical in the Word of God with childlike faith. I want to make the five booklets and the two exclusive CDs, which have four teaching segments on it, available for investment of $39. Any profits that we make will be poured into Jewish ministry. We'll be right back and hear about the greatest test in Thurman's life. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. Sid Roth here with Thurman Scrivener. And Thurman, you're just zooming. God tells you, lay down the Southern Baptist quarterly. Just teach my word. You say, well, God, if this is you, then I want to see signs and wonders and miracles erupted in this Southern Baptist Sunday school class. How'd the pastor handle you? Well, he <laughs> he didn't quite know how to handle me. <laughs> I tried to be loving and kind and, and really nice and sweet to all of Did them. Did you get the left foot of fellowship? No, no. no. Okay. <laughs> but they were nice to me. Uh they were really nice to me, but they they didn't they just couldn't go there with me. In fact, what they finally did, instead of giving me the uh, left foot of fellowship, uh, some of the people in the church really began to get a hold of this. In fact, uh, I don't think I've ever told you this miracle. In the, as I started teaching this class, there was a man. He's just about my age. Uh, I'm now seventy, nearly seventy six, and he's about that. But this has been twenty years ago, and uh, he was he's a cowboy. And here in Justin, in Texas, and, and he ropes calves and all kinds of stuff. And, and, and one the Friday night, he was calf roping, and he come off of his horse, and he come forward, and the calf flipped around, and he slammed himself into the ground and broke his hand. I mean, just crushed his hand. Well, he went to the doctor, and the doctors uh, checked him. and told him he had a broke hand, and they'd have to put it in the cast. And he said, no, I've got a man of faith in my church. I'm going to have him pray for me Sunday. I'm not going to put a cast on it. So Sunday morning when I walked in the church, he was watching me. He was sitting on the back row. And whenever he, when I come in, he come running back there and says, Thurman, I have broke my right hand. And he said, I want you to pray for it. 
I said, well, let's go down to the front, and I'll pray for you. He said, absolutely not. He said, there's too much unbelief in this place. We're not going down to the front. He said, let's go to back into the to the library. I said, okay. So we went back to the back into the library. I looked at his hand, and it was all swelled up in our everything, and it was broken. I said, James, you know when I pray for you, you got to believe. He said, Thurman, when you pray, I see God do miracles. He said, I believe. You just say the word, and it's done. I reached over and took his hand and slapped that hand with my other hand, slapped it as hard as I could slap it, knocked his hand plumb out of my hand. He screamed, and he raised his hand back up, and his hand was completely brand new, perfect, didn't have a broke bone in it. Thurman, I'm going to take you to the greatest test of your life. I don't know how you survived. Your wife, your daughter, your granddaughter, uh, in an automobile accident, what happened? Well, uh, yes, in uh, 2001, uh, my wife and daughter got up that morning to go to Brownwood, Texas, to to a little family gathering. And that morning, about halfway down there, uh, my wife had a heart attack uh, and veered over into the left lane and hit an oncoming truck that was running 70 miles an hour, and she was running 70 miles an hour. They hit headlights to headlights. And it tore that car all to pieces. And I might say it tore them, my wife, my daughter. Uh, she was My daughter was 24 years old. It tore her body all to pieces. And, and my granddaughter uh, and another little girl were in the back seat. And uh, it tore them up really bad. Uh, my granddaughter, her seat belt came loose. It cut it. Something, a piece of steel or something cut her seat belt. And uh, it throwed her forward, and her head hit the front of the hit the seat in front of her, and she bounced back. And uh, when I did get to the hospital, uh, the, when the police finally found me, I was teaching a healing school that day, that Saturday. And when they finally found me, uh, they told me that my these two little girls were in the hospital in Cook's Medical Center in Fort Worth, in critical critical condition. Okay, you go to the hospital. You see your granddaughter. You weren't prepared for what you saw. What did you see? Well, her little face and was so tore up. Her head was at least twice its size. It was blood was running out her ears, her eyes, her nose, her mouth. And the doctors told me that every organ in her little body was damaged, and her right knee was crushed, and her left leg was broken right below her knee and right above her ankle. And they said there's no way she can live. That we have her own life support. And when we unplug her, she will decease, and there's nothing you can do. And I told him, I said, sir, there is plenty I can do. I said, God said in his word in John 15, 7, I said, it has a qualifier in there, if, if. And now that's a big word. I've learned that 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 word's the biggest word in God's word when it says if. If I remain in him and if his words remain in me, that means I've got to study his word, I've got to believe his word. Then he says, I can ask him, the Father, in Jesus' name for anything, and he will do it. So I turned right there to all the, to those doctors and nurses and everybody and said, I have John fifteen seven, so I'm going to ask the Father in Jesus' name to raise up my little granddaughter, to completely heal her, make her whole. I said, since he said I could ask for anything, I'm going to ask him to completely heal her face without even a scar. I said, now I'm going to ask, Lord, that you don't let uh, scabs form on her face because everywhere a scab 
uh, forms, there's going to be a scar. And you said I could ask for anything. So I said, Father, I want you to let the skin grow back to skin where there'll no be no scabs, so there'll be no scars, so that when she gets well, she won't even have a scar on that beautiful little face. And they thought I was crazy. Uh, so I just walked up and down beside her bed for the rest of the night, for I mean, all for 10 or 12 hours or 14 hours, whatever it was. And I just praised the king and worshipped him, thanked him for his word and everything. And, and finally the social worker come up to me and she said, Sir, I've never seen anybody that's lost his wife and his daughter and look like the children in the same day, and all he does is praise God. Well, about a week and a half later, they came to me and said that they'd done another diagnosis, another just uh, scan of her little body, and there's no way she can live. It, it's over. They're going to pull the plug, and uh, uh, they said she'll decease, and you don't want to resuscitate her. And I told them, I said, you know, I guarantee you on the word of the living God that if you unplug her, she will not die. What did they say to that? I mean, in fact, you told me you had a Jewish doctor. What did he say to that? He he just he literally thought I was a grandfather in denial, and just like Doctor Davis, she was a, a beautiful Christian lady, probably in her late thirties or early forties. She told me she said, "Sir, you are the only human being I have ever met in my life that absolutely refuses to accept reality." I said, "Ma'am." I said, you've trained yourself with your five physical senses, but I've trained myself with the Word of God. I said, so God made me a promise that you don't even know is in His Word. So I said, I'm going to stand on His Word. I said, I'm going to guarantee you, when y'all unplug her, she's not going to die like you all say. I said, she's going to live. She's going to breathe. She's going to cough. She's going to live. And she's going to run and play again. And, of course, that Jewish doctor, fantastic doctor, Dr. Marks, he was a fantastic, great medical doctor. He just looked at me and said, sir, uh, it, it can't happen. He said, you know, I'm the doctor. And he said, I guarantee when we unplug her, she's going to die. I said, I guarantee you she's not going to die. She's going to live and breathe. I said, she's going to breathe over that machine on her own. He said, sir, that's impossible. I said, but with God, nothing's impossible, sir. And so they unplugged her and she did. She started breathing two points over the machine on her own without the machine. And, of course, they all were sitting there. And then about 10 minutes later when she coughed, a couple of the doctors said, that's impossible. Her brain stem is severed. Her brain stem, the total brain stem is disconnected. It's impossible for her to cough. I said, well, God has put it back together. They said, sir, that's impossible. Nobody can put a brain stem back together. I said, gentlemen, y'all obviously don't really know and understand who God is. I said, I, I just barely do know him, but I said, I've read his word, and he says he can do anything. There's nothing impossible with God. I said, after all the creation that we live in here, he spoke it into existence. I said, so he can put her back together the same way. There's no problem. Well, he did. He put her back together. Okay, your granddaughter was three years of age. The doctors said from from the very beginning she would not survive uh, how old is she today? 16. Tell me the conditions that God healed her of. List them for me. Well, first of all, her skull was crushed in five places. Her eyes were jerked out of her brain. Her brain stem was completely severed. Her face was tore all to pieces. 
Every organ in her body was some way physically damaged. Her right knee was crushed and her left leg broken right below her knee and right above her ankle. And they said there was absolutely no hope, no hope. Three doctors examined her, and all three of them said there is no hope. She's terminal. Was she healed of every condition you've just stated? Every one. Her brain stem has been reconnected. Her eyes are reconnected. She can see. She can walk. She can talk. She can run. She rides her bicycle. She rides her horse. Uh, you know, she's a beautiful little 16-year-old girl. Uh, you know, so they're just, uh, it, it's just, it's just amazing. Her face is beautiful. She does not have a single scar on her face. Uh, her little brain is quick and sharp. Uh, she's the, the only, the only actual problem. She, she, it, there was some kind of a problem. I don't understand what happened in her vocal cords and box, but she doesn't talk as clear as I would like for her to talk. But I'm still working on that. But she can talk, and you can understand her. And she goes to school and everything. But, uh, you know, I bought her a horse. She wanted it. She told me, uh, Granddad, I want a horse. And so I bought her a beautiful black mare, charcoal black mare. But, I, I have to hear this, though. What did this Jewish doctor have to say, saying miracle after miracle after miracle? Well, when I took Caitlin back, uh, after uh, every couple of months, they wanted me to bring her back after I took her home. Because when I took her home, she couldn't walk. Uh, she couldn't walk. She couldn't talk. She couldn't see. She was blind, everything. And so when I brought her home and started quoting the Word of God over her, every two months, the doctors told me, said, bring her back and let us check her. So I did at the first two months when I took her back. By this time, uh, she still couldn't see. She was still blind at that time. Uh, she still couldn't talk, uh, but she, and she could walk. I had her where she could walk and, and lightly run. And so she would walk down the hospital corridor holding my finger because she couldn't see where she was going. But anyway, the first time I took her back, when Dr. Marks looked at her, he ran over and picked her up, took her into his office and began to check her, listen to her heart, and began to tap on her little legs and her arms and everything, and he saw that they all worked. And as he did, he looked at that, and I said, Sir? What do you think about my Jesus now? He said, sir, all I have to say to you, somebody a whole lot bigger than me, put this little girl back together. I said, and yes, sir, and his name's Jesus Christ. I said, he's the king of kings. And I said, he wants you to love him and serve him because you're a Jewish doctor. I said, he was a Jewish doctor. And I said, he's the best Jewish doctor in history. What was his response? He, like, he just sat there and shook his head. <laughs> now, now if, if, is it true that while you were waiting for God to do his miracles in the hospital, you prayed with eight terminal children in the hospital and they were all healed? Yes, that's, that's true. That, that probably, uh, when, when after, uh, after we got out of the, I mean, after the in fact, I don't know how much time we got to tell you, but the first, first miracle was a little boy. Uh, I was there, and of course, uh, this little boy was uh, two months old, and uh, he was dying. And the doctors came out and told his mother and dad and granddad and grandmother that uh, he could he was 95% brain dead and said, you need to prepare for a funeral. He will not be alive in the morning. And so as the doctors walked off, uh, I'm standing there in ICU, and uh, I asked the grandfather, I said, sir, are you a Christian? He said, oh, yeah, we're Baptists. And I said, well, do you go to church? He said, well, I'm a truck driver, and I, we don't go to church much. I'm gone a whole lot. 
And I asked his wife, I said, are you a Christian? She said, well, yes. But she said, I don't ever go to church unless my husband's at home. So I said, we don't go very much. I said, what a shame. I said, y'all don't know the Word of God. And he said, well, we read it a little. I said, but you don't know the promises of God because I said, this, these two doctors just told you that your child, your grandchild was going to die tonight. He said, well, yeah. So what can we do? I said, you have the Word of God. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, uh, let me ask the little mother here. I said, are you a Christian? She says, yes, but I don't go to church either. I asked the young boy, I said, are you a Christian? He said, well, I believe in God. I said, son, the devils believe in God and tremble, but that won't do nothing for you. I said, you've got to know the master to take his word and stand on it to get your little child healed. And I said, you need to know Jesus, first of all. And so I spent about 20 minutes teaching him what he had to do to come to know Jesus, how to call on the name of Jesus, and how Jesus would forgive him for all of his sins and bring him into the kingdom and save him. So after I got that done, I told him, I said, son, you're in a perfect place now. I said, when Jesus cleans you up, I said, whenever you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, his blood washes you and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. I said, so you're in a perfect place to receive a wonderful miracle from your Heavenly Father right now because you're a brand-new Christian. I said, can you all take me in there where your little son is? And so they did. They took me in there, and I looked at this little two-month-old baby, and this little guy was... He, he, he was not moving nowhere. They had tubes all t attached to him everywhere, and they said he would be dead by morning. It was about 10 or 11 o'clock at night then. And so I told the young man, I said, now that you've repented uh, or, or your sins have been redeemed, I said, you didn't even have to repent of sin. God forgave you whenever he brought you into the kingdom. I said, as far as God is concerned right now, you're in a perfect place of cleanliness with God because he's just washed you in his blood. I said, you'll never be in a better place to receive a miracle from God than right now. So I said, would you just give me the spiritual authority over your little son? He said, sir, I don't even know what you're talking about. I said, son, just say yes. He said, okay, yes. So I walked over to the little guy. I said, son, the Word of God says in Mark 16, verse 18, to lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I said, now, your sins have been taken care of on the cross right now, so you're in good shape. So now then, this verse will work. So I put my two fingers, my, my right and left hand, my f number one finger, on his little stomach. And I said, Father, according to Mark 16, 18, be healed. I said, Lord, thank you. It's done. I turned and walked off, and I said, I guarantee your son will recover. I love it when you say that. What happened? Well, uh, the next, I went home that night about two and, and slept for two or three hours and then come back home the next morning. I got there at eight o'clock or something like that. And the little girl, she said, sir, sir, come over here and look and see what Jesus did for our baby. I said, what's he done? She said, you got to see this. I went over there and the little guy, two months old, had pulled all those little things off of him himself. And he was laying there cooing and kicking. And that little guy fully recovered. And the next day, that grandmother and grandmother, instead of taking him and burying him, they put him in a little wagon, walked up and down the hallways of Cook's Medical Center in Fort Worth, telling everybody what Jesus had done for their grandson. You know, when I read the Bible, that is normal, uh, according to the Bible. That's normal. That is not normal, according to most Christians' experience. When, when we come back, uh, Thurman, I would like you to share how you have not been sick 
for the past 35 years and how you're not exceptional. You just have exceptional promises and an exceptional God. And as a matter of fact, the five booklets of the best teaching you have on healing and then the four teachings on CD that was done exclusively for our ministry on two CDs. We're making that available for investment of $39. We call it the Faith Walkers Package. And I think you are, I'm going to use a Hebrew word, you are Meshuga if you don't write for this. Why? Because Thurman teaches with childlike faith. Simple. He believes it. And as a matter of fact, Every time he prays for the sick, based on God's word, he guarantees it. We'll be right back. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 1-800-447-2697. Hello, Sid Roth here with Thurman Scrivener. And uh, that's quite a mouthful that I said before uh, the break. And that was that... Thurman Scrivener, based on the revelation and childlike faith that he has in God's Word, has not been sick for the last 35 years, and he's taught so many other people to live the way he lives. Now, uh, Thurman, give me your definition of faith. Well, my definition of faith is knowing God's Word and confessing His Word on a daily basis. That's faith. With everything going on in the world today, I'm not sure that people that do not have that understanding of faith are going to survive too well. I I believe you're 100% right. Without faith, of course, you cannot please the Lord. It's written in Hebrews 11 that without faith it's impossible to to satisfy Him or to please Him. So I believe that He has given us this faith to use for His glory and any of us that want to walk in it, all these terrible plagues and uh, diseases and everything that's taking place all over the world, uh, that has no hold on a, a Christian that truly walks in the God kind of faith. Now, just out of curiosity, if you ever prayed for a dead person that has yes. come back to life, tell me about that person. Well, I've only had one of those, and uh, that's an awesome thing. It happened about uh, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, this man had worked for me for several years. Uh, back in the engineering world, and uh, he was a, uh, a, a he went to church, but he didn't believe in these powerful things. He was just a normal Christian, good Christian though, good Christian man. But anyway, uh, his son-in-law he had a massive heart attack in the middle of the night, around one or two o'clock in the morning, and he died. Well, his son-in-law happened to be one of the paramedics that was called out, and of course he knew that his father-in-law had worked for me and he knew me so he called me and about two o'clock in the morning my phone rang he said Thurman uh, we've lost the bow he's had a massive heart attack and he's gone we haven't had a heartbeat or a pulse in about a half hour so uh, he's gone and I said well let's pray wait a second if he hasn't had a pulse in in 30 minutes or a half hour he's got brain damage too Uh, didn't those thoughts cross your mind before you prayed not mine. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> they didn't cross mine at all. I just, <laughs> I just said, I mean, I had seen God do so many miracles by this time. I know that with God, there's not anything possible or hard for God. 
So I said, let's pray. And he said, Thurman, it's too late to pray. I said, it ain't never too late to pray. He said, yes, Thurman, he's been dead for a half hour. We haven't had a heartbeat or a pulse in over a half hour. It's over. I said, it ain't never over till Jesus says it's over. So I said, if I, then if you won't pray with me, I'll just pray. So I began to pray, and I began to rebuke the spirit of death and command the spirit of life come back in him in Jesus' name. And, I, I mean, I wake up out of a sound sleep. This has got to be God totally, even working on my life, because who would have dreamed about praying for a dead man coming from a sound sleep? But anyway, it was holy God. And uh, anyway, he said, oh, my goodness. He said, I have a pulse. He's breathing. And I said, well, what are you going to do with him? He said, well, I'm going to take him to Irving to the hospital. I said, okay, I'll, I'll run down there. I'll, I said, I'll get up and beat the, take me two, a couple of hours to get there. I live a long way from there, but I said, I'll, I'll come down. So I got up and put on my clothes and, and went to the hospital in Irving. When I finally got there, it was uh, 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, I saw a doctor in the hallway, and I said, where is uh, Bo Jackson? And he said, uh, oh, he's down there in that room, down 13 or whatever it was. And I said, uh, how's he doing? He said, well, he'd be better off if he'd have stayed dead. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he, the paramedic said he didn't have a heartbeat or a pulse for a half hour, so I said, well, he'll just be a vegetable. I said, Doc. I said, Doc. I said, I held my hands, palms up. I said, you see those hands? He said, well, yes. I said, Jesus said to lay hands on the sick and they'd recover. He didn't say they'd be a vegetable. And, and he looked at me and kind of rolled his eyes and said, oh, my God, one of those kind. <laughs> and so he walked off and I walked down there to the room where he was at, and he was asleep, sound asleep. So I sat there for 20 or 30 minutes, and he was never did wake up. And so I just reached my hands over and laid them on him. I said, Father, you said in Mark 16, 18, that I shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall fully recover. So I said, Lord, he's well in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And then I went and got my car and went back to went to work. And uh, uh, within a two weeks' time, he was fully recovered and back to work. And the man is still alive and well today. I saw him just a few weeks ago over in Denton at the tax office. He is still alive and well. And that's been 15 years ago, at least 15 years ago. Thurman, how do you have such strong faith? How did you get that? Reading God's Word. I mean, when I come back from Vietnam after I got out of the war, uh, I was a Christian. I was raised in a good Christian home, and I knew the importance of studying God's Word. I thought I did. But when I really began to read it and study it, really began to read it and meditate on it and, and really, really study it, I began to come across these awesome promises, and God began to reveal himself to me in such a powerful way. And so for uh, at least 10 years, Sid, uh, I read and studied his word, I mean, anywhere from 5 to 15 hours a week for at least 10 years. And then God began to speak to me audibly. And, of course, knowing the promises and then beginning to hear his audible voice, man, why couldn't a guy have faith? I mean, you know, why can't you believe these promises? If you know God's real, you know he made the universe, you know he made you, why can't you stand on his promises and do what he says? Because, man, he'll do exactly what he said, and he is an awesome God. I mean, I've seen him do awesome things, Sid. I mean, <laughs> even raise the dead. But with God, that's no problem. He's a mighty God. Okay, you're sitting in a room. Someone has just gotten a death sentence of cancer. Uh, they go to a good Baptist church. They know God heals sometimes in mysterious ways, maybe. 
you know, all the above. What are some of the first things you would tell this person? Well, the first thing I would tell them is to look at your life and see if there's any kind of sin that you might have committed, you know, any unforgiveness that you might have gotten, uh, you know, any bitterness that you were with somebody, uh, you know, to get into your love walk. See, I've learned that the principles of God's healing only work when you obey His one commandment in the New Covenant is to love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. So if you want to be want to walk without sickness and disease, you have to master that command to walk in love. So the first thing I tell people, you know, if they come to me and they're sick or afflicted or they've been diagnosed with cancer or whatever, anything is to look at your life and make sure you're in your love walk, you're walking in love. Get rid of all sin, and then after you've repented of all sin, then get into the Word of God and begin to find these wonderful promises that God said for He would do certain things if you would do certain things. Read those promises, meditate on those promises, and then after you've got rid of all sin, and then after you've taken, taken some promises, and the more the better, and, and you really meditate on those, and you get those in your spirit, and you get 20 or 30 or 40 of them, and just quote them every day. Make sure, like I say, you've repented of all sin. You're walking in love with God and with your neighbor and yourself, making sure you have no bitterness against yourself or nothing, and walk in love. And then find somebody that really believes these promises that can pray the prayer of faith for you. So after you've repented of sin and you've found the promise that God said he'll do what he'll do, and then you find somebody that can pray the prayer of faith and guarantee you it'll work, you'll get healed. That's how it's happened. That's that how it sounds works. so simple. Hey, God made it simple, Sid. He didn't make it difficult. He I, made I, it so simple. I want you to take three or four of your favorite promises on healing and speak them out to us now. Would you do that? Well, n- number one, the one that God showed me first was James 5, 14, 15, and 16. James 5, 14, 15, and 16, that says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him and anoint him with oil. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise you up. And if you've committed sins, your sins will be forgiven. So therefore, confess your faults, your sins, one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. That's one of my favorites. And then John fifteen seven that says, if, you're, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, then you can ask me for anything and I will do it for you. And then Matthew eighteen nineteen that says, again, I tell you, Jesus speaking, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth shall agree about anything you ask me for, it shall be done for you by my Father, which is in heaven. Now, those are a few of the wonderful promises, and there is many of these kind of promises in God's Word. I, I have to tell you, my faith, as I'm hearing you say that, is soaring. So everyone that's listening to us right now, I want you to repent of your known sin. If you're involved in sex outside of marriage, if you're involved in homosexuality, stealing, lying, unforgiveness. I want you to repent. Tell God you're sorry. 
And Sid, do you know what the largest sin is? What? The sin of unbelief of the promises of God. I've known lots of good Christian people, good Christian people, that were they've done everything right. I mean, you look at them from the surface, they're perfect. There's not a thing wrong with them. But I've seen many people pray for some of these men, especially some young boys I've seen. And then when I find their sin, and their sin is they don't believe the promises of God. Okay, everyone listening to me, repeat after me. I repent of unbelief of the promises of God in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to pray a prayer of faith right now. Two or more agree. You and I, Thurman, are agreeing for healing right now. Okay, you, and Father, in Jesus' name, according to Matthew eighteen nineteen, I ask you, Lord, to move on the hearts of every person that's hearing this show, whether it be Christian or non-Christian, regardless of who they are. I ask you to begin to convict them in their heart of their their unbelief, their sins, whatever it is, and that you would begin to give them revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of your mighty word, so they will be able to understand, because nobody can understand the Word of God except the Holy Spirit reveal it to them. So, Lord, I ask you to do that. And Sid and I is in complete agreement. You're going to begin to work on the hearts and minds of men and women, that even while the people that hear this show, those that repent, those that are sick, that need a miracle from God, they will repent of all sin. They will find that one, take one of these mighty verses, and they will believe it. And, Lord, thank you for healing everyone that does that. I know your promises are always yes and amen, so I know you're going to heal everybody that believes that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I believe that many of you have been physically healed just as that prayer was prayed. But I also believe that you need an injection of normal faith in the normal promises from God's Word so that you will be normal. And I'm going to tell you something. By the time you finish reading the five booklets we call The Fabulous Five by Thurman Scrivener and the two CDs which have four exclusive teachings on them from God's Word, you too will be able to say 35 years from now, I haven't been sick in 35 years. Do you guarantee that on God's word, Thurman Scrivener? Yes, sir, I surely do. I had to hear you say that one more time. For investment of $39, I want to send you, we call it the Faith Walkers Package. <laughs> Your with comparisons about what separates us. Day after day, we go about our lives with tunnel vision. But Scripture tells us how Messiah broke down the wall between Jew and Gentile, allowing for the creation of one new man, one new humanity. 
This spiritual completeness is set to usher in the greatest move toward God the world has ever known. Sid Roth has discovered Scripture's key to reaching the Jewish people with God's love. One new humanity opens the door for God to move in signs and wonders, and all will see the evidence of the invisible God promised in Scripture. At SidRoth.org, you'll find mentoring tools to empower you to share how one new humanity is critical to bringing multitudes to know God. You'll understand Israel and the Jewish roots of the church and how all the nations of the earth will experience blessings unseen in human history. Log on to SidRoth.org today and learn how one new man is the key to unlocking God's greatest blessings. To place a credit card order for today's offer, call anytime at 1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. 2697 or log on to our website at www.sidroth.org to hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show it's supernatural visit our website at www.sidroth.org that's www.sidroth.org discover how you can begin watching for free our 24-hour, seven-day-a-week TV network, ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. You can write me at Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. That's Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.